Hello and welcome to the Parish Podcast of St. Anthony of Padua Catholic Church in the Woodlands, Texas. We're excited to share with you Sunday at St. Anthony's, a homily message from this past weekend that we hope you'll find enlightening. Thanks for tuning in and praying with us. On a Sabbath, Jesus went to dine at the home of one of the leading Pharisees, and the people there were observing him carefully. He told a parable to those who had been invited, noticing how they were choosing the places of honor at the table. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not recline at table in the place of honor. A more distinguished guest than you may have been invited by him, and the host who invited both of you may approach you and say, give your place to this man, and then you would proceed with embarrassment to take the lowest place. Rather, when you are invited, go and take the lowest place, so that when the host comes to you, he may say, my friend, move up to a higher position. Then you will enjoy the esteem of your companions at the table. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Then he said to the host, who invited him. When you hold a lunch or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your wealthy neighbors in case they may invite you back and you have repayment. Rather, when you hold a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, blessed indeed will you be because of their inability to repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And this is the gospel of the Lord. First, as now is the least intrusive time, I want to introduce this other gentleman here, a server with us today, our seminarian for the academic year. I'm glad he's here. I want you to be kind to him. I want you to pray for him. I want you to pray and sacrifice that he may be holy, that he may be a holy priest, that he gets to the day of ordination and may be able to offer the sacrifice of praise to God. His name is John Clark. I want you to know him. And now I want you to forget about him. Why did I say that? Not to be mean. I'm very glad John Clark's here because of our second reading. To maybe get us to think about it a little bit more. Why are we here? Our second reading has been, the second readings for the last two weeks have been building to this one right here. To recognize like what we come to each and every Sunday. It's not about one person. It's not about the priest, like I like him and he is preaching. It's not about even our community and like, oh, I come to see the people I know and love. That's good. That's great. That's really actually for outside of the Mass. 
It's not about us coming to like feel good or like get like spiritual consolations, though God may provide those. Holy Mass, as is pointed to in our second reading, its sole focus is on the Almighty God. Worship of God the Father through Jesus Christ, joining in his sacrifice. As we enter into the three-year Eucharistic revival that our bishops are calling for, this second reading is key. It's key for that Eucharistic revival. It's key for our readings today. It's key for the readings for the last two weeks. And even especially if you were looking at the readings this last week, with all the ones that we're talking about suffering, it's very key. Because, brothers and sisters, we who were lowly, we who were nothing without God, God has called to himself. We who have been sprinkled with the precious blood of Jesus Christ who have been chosen, have been chosen for something. To participate in his sacrifice, but also for us to sacrifice. That's what we're looking at today. That we, the baptized, we who have been chosen, we again who have been sprinkled with the precious blood of the Lamb that speaks more eloquently than any sacrifice ever offered, we, because of that, are invited and have access to the banquet, the heavenly banquet. This is a big deal, a very big deal. So if we actually kept reading, and I'll always encourage you to read all the scriptures, and when we have readings, like read around them. Read maybe the pieces that like the church leaves out because we just can't get in everything. St. Paul emphasizes how big, how great and noble and beautiful a thing it is that we are called to this. So much that we should thank God because as he says later in chapter 13, verse 10, he says, those who are still worshiping in the temple... Those who aren't worshiping in a Catholic way, those who have not been baptized, he says, they have no right to this altar. They have no right to receive all the graces that God has given through his sacrifice until, and this is what we should hope for, this is what we're supposed to do right at the end of Mass, to go in peace, to share the good news that God desires everyone to be part of his family, that God desires everyone to be baptized, to be sprinkled with his blood so that they can be part of the family of God, so they can, in their lowliness, be brought to a higher state, so they can be perfected, so that they can be ultimately one day, please God, in heaven, in the eternal banquet. This is a big deal. And if we're still even having a difficulty understanding how big of a deal it is, this is why St. Paul, in his letter to the Hebrews, brings us where we are today. He says, and he's trying to help those who are, who are thinking about like going back to worldly ways, or maybe I, maybe, I don't know, the Jewish stuff was like really comfortable, maybe we should do that. Um, no, he goes, no, brothers and sisters. You have not approached what could be touched. A blazing fire, or gloomy darkness, a storm, a trumpet blast, or a voice speaking words such that when those who heard it, they begged that no message further be given to them. What is he talking about? He's talking about when the people of God were out in Mount Sinai. So awesome, so terrible in the truest sense, or we would say awful, it filled them with awe that when God descended in the Shekinah glory cloud upon that mountain, upon that altar where he would give the truth in the Ten Commandments, when they heard God speak, they would ask Moses, please intercede for us. We cannot take this. It's too awesome. 
It's terrifying to be in the presence of the living God. So much so, so awesome, so, so, so amazing was that mountain, that altar in which God like, was descending, like that they even they reverenced it so highly that if someone even touched that mountain, they were stoned to death. St. Paul's saying, if you think that was a big deal, oh no, we have approached something far greater. We, by the grace of Jesus Christ, we approach Mount Zion. We approach the city of the living God. We approach the heavenly Jerusalem with countless angels in festal gathering, with all the saints who have gone before us, who have been perfected by God. We approach, in fact, Him. We approach God, the judge of all, and Jesus Christ, the mediator of the new covenant, and his precious blood. This, brothers and sisters, is Holy Mass. If we're ever going to have the Eucharistic awe and the reverence that, like, the church, that God desires for us, we must understand this reality in which we enter every time we, from out in the world, process toward where heaven meets earth, where God is. If we're going to grow in our reverence that the bishops are calling us to, to recognize what we are in, we will be analyzing over the course of years if what we do here does not reveal this reality spoken of in our second reading, if it does not call to mind the reality in which we are living, if we are not giving our greatest, then it is an injustice to God. And if it's an injustice to God, the scary part is for us, it's a... It, it's bad for us. It will hurt us. If we want, again, for love of God, who would call us into such an amazing mystery, to love him well, to recognize that why we are here is to join in the perfect, sacred worship of Jesus Christ our Lord, directed to God the Father, then we must, we must meditate upon this greatly. And we must recognize that this, too, is not just Jesus' sacrifice, but we, again, who are incorporated into him by baptism, we, too, are called here to sacrifice. Just like the people at Mount Sinai were uncomfortable. It scared them in a certain way. It pushed them out of their comfort zone. So, too, in a sense, that is what Holy Mass is to do for us. We are gonna, it's going to push us beyond what we're comfortable with. It's supposed to be different than all the rest of our life of prayer. It's supposed to be holy, set apart, sacred, awesome. We could even say awful to fill us with awe. Why? Because we have approached God. We who, as our gospel acclamation said, have been yoked to him. He is giving us the grace to come forward, to join in where his blood is being poured out so that we, the baptized, we who have been incorporated to Christ, we who have repented, surrendered, professed the creed in word and deed, we join in his sacrifice and bring our sacrifices, whether they be the joys and the sufferings of the weak, whether it be, again, the sacrifice that it is sometimes to, to, to stay present on what is happening here, to love God with all our mind and all our soul and all our strength. We come recognizing that as we focus on worshiping God the Father through Christ, with Christ, and in Christ, the beauty of his love for us still poured out is that he gives us the grace as we reflected on even the last two weeks 
to do what? To run the race well in the midst of such a great cloud of witnesses who watch us, who are seeing every single thing we do, rooting for us to strive against sin, to put away everything that is not of God, to sacrifice all so that we may win the crown. So that we, in striving by the means of, as we're going to get to, humility that God calls us to today, we may be able, by his grace, enter the narrow gate, which few strive for and even fewer enter. And so, as God is calling us in our first reading, speaking of how like he wants to take like. He wants to take the lowly and he wants to make them like great. And even more so, we who have been called into greatness, even more, it says, we should humble ourselves all the more. It's a reminder to us who have been, again, so preciously, so beautifully like called to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to where the blood is being poured out. That humility, that's the sacrifice of humility, is our way of life. It is how we must live. And so too, knowing that this, great, this is a great example to the world and helps as like, a, like an, evangelist, uh, an evangelistic tool to help others come to know Jesus Christ, him who was so humble as to lay down his life for us sinners who were deserving of punishment and yet he came and poured out his blood so that we might receive mercy. Let us look now then at humility. We could go and continue to talk of liturgical theology and like Catholic etiquette and the sacraments and some of that's coming because we have to rediscover what we've lost and what we've even been, as Pope Francis just wrote in his last like in, uh, little letter to the faithful in regards to the Mass, what do we, he says we have been robbed of for the last like 60 to 100 years by not, not celebrations not being as the church would call for. Let us look at how we while we will get to liturgical humility, how we in everyday life may be humble. Because that is what will prepare us for the humility that we must have, that will sanctify us and save us in this place. And so if we're looking to how we can be humble, I would encourage us to go to St. Benedict. St. Benedict has uh, 12 steps he calls to humility. He speaks of it as a ladder that, as that helps us ascend to God. It is, in fact, in many ways, the first 12-step program. It is the one that helps bring us to salvation. And so, let us look at that, recognizing that what humility is, is to make ourselves low. Like Jesus said so many times, we must be like little children if we are to enter the kingdom of heaven. That he desires to lift up the lowly. This is why the saints tell us all the time, be like Mary and trust yourself to her. Why? Because she, who was the lowly handmaid of God, he exalted beyond all other beings. She will always help us to be humble. She will always help us toward and through the narrow gate. And so let us look very quickly at an adapted version of those 12 steps of St. Benedict. First, he says, we must, if humility is the opposite of pride, we must break our pride and strive to follow every single one of God's commandments. We must, no matter how difficult as was spoken of last week, we must discipline ourselves and allow God by his truth to discipline us, trusting that God is God and he knows better than us. And so if we obey him, this is good. And so we strive to follow in every way, shape, and form what Christ has taught through his church in it perennially 
and we sacrifice our way of life for Christ so that we may have his life. Second, after obeying all the commandments, we are to seek what we do not seek to please ourselves. Examples, yes, we can think of little things like, oh, don't take the slice of pie or don't take an extra one or whatever might be there. So too, it might be like at Christmas and Easter when we know a lot of people join us, maybe not taking the seat we normally have. For like, for instance, those who are, are here, like we know with like little children, sometimes like young families, it's beautiful that young families are here. And I'm starting to hear more and more that some of those families are getting castigated by like people going like, those kids are making too many noise. If our church ain't crying, it's dying. We need to hear little ones. I'm not saying scream at the top of your lungs. But that's why, if anything, like we, we give them, if, to look at our gospel reading today, we give them places, seats of honor. Because we're thankful that they have cooperated with Christ to bring new life into the world. We stick them up front, beautiful. Why? Because even though seeing is not believing in our faith, seeing the sanctuary is better than seeing your backside. That's going to help those little ones pay attention. So too, if they need to be in back, that's great. Because sometimes little kids act up, we know that. But to humble ourselves, to sacrifice ourselves from where we maybe like to sit, maybe like on the edge, so that they can sit on the edge, so that they can be attentive as best they can and as well care for their children. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's going that extra mile when you come home from work, when you're tired. Yes, everybody needs rest, but when you're tired and your spouse has asked you to do something, maybe it's you're the spouse who's at home and maybe you need to sacrifice and be quiet because the other needs like just that little bit of time to process and rest so that then they can offer sacrifice of themselves to the rest of the family. The short of step two is basically if we have an inclination to please ourselves, go against it, oppose it, sacrifice, for that is what we were made. Step three, obedience to superiors. Whether this is work, whether this is family, whether this is a church, whether it's natural, supernatural, whatever it may be, as long as they are not asking us to do something evil, ours is to sacrifice and obey. Step four, be patient and quiet, persevering in every affliction caused by others. In short, we could say no complaining. Complaining is a, a sign of our pride. Remember, we who have committed mortal sin, we are due every single punishment that God could want to pour forth. And yet, thanks be to God, he does not. Anytime we complain, we're saying, I'm better than this. I don't deserve this. We deserve, we deserve punishment. If anything, when we don't complain, when we make whatever suffering there is a sacrifice, we become more like Christ. Him who was that lamb led to the slaughter in quiet so that he could pour out his sacrifice for love of you and me. Step five, a humble and thorough confession, St. Benedict says. There is perhaps nothing more humbling than a good confession. When we, it is, if anything, it is a sacrifice of our pride on that mystical altar there. Because it is humiliating to offer our sins to, yes, a person, a man that God has conformed to himself so that he may absolve us from our sins. We can maybe see if humility is the way to heaven, why God established the sacrament as he did, where we must humble ourselves so as to receive his mercy there. Step six, acceptance of crude and harsh tasks without grumbling. Example, you're the parent, another dirty diaper, I don't want to do it. No, go do it. Don't grumble. Do it and offer it as a sacrifice of praise to God. 
If you're the spouse, if your spouse wants you to like cook dinner, okay, don't grumble. Do it. Sacrifice that pride. Thank God that you have the opportunity to serve like him in someone else. Step seven, and very similar to like or related to our gospel reading today, like see others as greater than ourselves. See like that they may have, like assume that they have greater virtues, greater things in us, and take again that lowly place in our hearts, praying for them that they may be saints and even greater than us so long as God makes us saints. Step eight, create a rule of life. That is, create a, like a disciplined life based on scripture and based on the saints and surrender to it. Obey it. Sacrifice to make it a reality. Step nine, silence. Speak only when necessary, St. Benedict says. And he adds with step then 10, very related to it, don't go about joking like all the time. Why? Laughter's okay. But he says, be very careful of jokes and things like that, for so often they can lead to gossip, to uh, detraction, to sarcasm, which literally that word means to rip at the flesh. It can lead us to other sins. So be careful at what we let out of our tongue, as St. James speaks of in his uh, great epistle. Step 11, when we do speak, may it be one where we have sacrificed ourselves in the awkwardness of being silenced and be recollected so as to speak simply, seriously, and with few words. And then very lastly, step 12, which is our hope and our desire of all and what we strive for, humility of heart in all things, interiorly and exteriorly, showing God great reverence in all things, directing all things to him, whether it be our time of prayer and making sure we're really striving to focus on him, whether it be arriving to Mass early so that we're ready for encountering Mount Zion, the city of the living God, encountering God, the judge of all. There will be silence before and after Mass so that people can pray here and treat God's house as a house of prayer, as Jesus said. Or maybe it's praying before and after everything. Maybe it's throughout the day over and over again saying, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner making spiritual communion. We, brothers and sisters, are called to these many acts of humility, knowing that as we sacrifice, as we turn to God, offer ourselves, that he will, as it says, as for those who he has exalted, those he has given a greater place, like we should humble ourselves all the more and be confident that as we do so, he will help strip us of the fleshly, he will help strip us of the worldly, and he will help us by his grace to enter the narrow gate because it is through humility like Jesus Christ that in striving for that that we will be perfected by Jesus Christ knowing that this is what we were made for to join with God to join with the angels and the saints to join with them not only one day in heaven please God but now let us continue to strive to sacrifice more and more to humble ourselves more and more so that we may be ever more prepared for Mount Zion, for God and his holy sanctuary.